good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wheat Among the Tares. It's a blessing to have you aboard this morning. We appreciate you being there and listening every Wednesday morning here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Pastor Williamson, good morning to you, Good morning sir. to you, brother, and to all you that are listening. Thank you for being on this morning. It is a blessing to have everybody here. We do have a special guest this morning. I'll be getting to him in just a moment. And uh, we'll be introducing him. A couple of stories that we have been covering, Pastor. We've had a quite a, a little discussion here before we went on the air. and uh, But I did want to bring a couple of things to your attention. First of all, I want to go ahead and mention, uh, last week we mentioned um, Brother Tim Stevens, pastor up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, who had been jailed again for COVID restrictions there in the province of Alberta. Uh, I'm pleased to report this morning that Pastor Stevens was released this past Friday, July the 2nd. So Pastor Williamson, he spent about two weeks in jail thereabouts yeah. for this second time. and But he has been released, and uh, I'm also pleased to report that um, Fairview Baptist Church, which is the church that he pastors, uh, and Grace Life Church, Pastor James Coates, and I know many of you have been following that story with us here as well. Um, those churches now have been unchained, and uh, folks can go back and meet there again. Pastor, that is great news. Amen. Yeah, praise <clears throat> the Lord. You know, and and uh, all I can say is that uh, to the Lord be the glory. Yes, sir. Uh, great things He hath done, and uh, and we do know that there are continuing there's continuing litigation there that is going on. But we certainly do want to continue, folks, to pray for uh, these pastors, Tim Stevens and James Coates, there in the province of Alberta, Canada. Canada, for some reason, uh, has absolutely. Uh, had a stranglehold mm-hmm. on the churches there, Pastor, as yes. you well know. Yes, and, um, and But we know that the, the uh, prayers of God's people certainly has prevailed in that situation. Which, which I guess I don't know if we know what the end of this is going to be yet. I mean, I know they're unchained. They release them. They're still, I'm assuming, court there is, cases and still have to come before the judge. So There is some so litigation. Keep yeah, keep yeah. praying. Keep praying for sure. And uh, please make a note of that, if you would, because the fact that uh, we certainly do not want to let things down uh, before our God to let him, you know, to keep um, the word is importunity. Keep asking, keep asking. A couple of things here in the United States that I wanted to bring to your attention, and then we'll get to our guests this morning. Uh, The state of Maine uh, continues as, uh, as we speak. Um, Governor Janet Mills there in the state of Maine uh, is continuing. She has released all COVID restrictions, Pastor, but she uh, is wanting to retain the power to arbitrarily mm-hmm. uh, institute any kind of regulations once again if she so deems it to be necessary for the sake, quote, of the public health. Yeah. Now, we all know what that really means. That's tyranny sure. when it's all said Even though done. the Supreme Court has already ruled in this situation. They have. Yeah. Ten different times. Yeah. And, uh, and what she is contending is the fact, and, and I'm going to read something here from Liberty Council. 
It says, from the beginning of Governor Mills' unconstitutional regime, and that's well put, she has retained the sole authority to impose whatever restrictions she deems fit. Now, that statement alone is, folks, what we're praying that God gives the victory over because she just at random can decide, oh, we're going to implement regulations yeah. again, restrictions again, and uh, and according to her and her thinking, that it's law of the land. Yeah, it is not. not. No. And uh, so, therefore... Uh, Liberty Council continues to litigate to get a permanent injunction to stop the governor from returning to her unconstitutional ways. You say, well, Brother Blake, what's this got to do with the church? Plenty. And uh, we certainly want to make sure that you are informed of what is going on. By the way, state of Virginia, Ralph Northam, who is the uh, governor there, he has pretty much... Uh, stated that he wants to retain the same power. So, Pastor, here's two states, and probably, if truth be known, California, Colorado, and some of these others, these governors who absolutely have have been um, uh, not only slapped several times, but then monetary restrictions have been put against them to pay for court costs and everything, and you think they would learn, but no, they still, in the back of their mind, still want to retain their... Yeah, these, these governors want to govern according to their what they feel is best instead of govern according to law and constitutional law. Their whims. Yeah. I, I think that's the best way to yeah. put it. Well, we wanted you to be informed on those things this morning, and we trust that that information is helpful to you. Um, now I want to introduce our guest to you. Our guest is Mr. Robert Hess. Robert is the uh, head of the board of the directors for Hearts for the Hungry, and this is a missionary endeavor in the nation of Haiti. Good morning, Mr. Robert Hess. Good morning. It's a it's blessing to have you with us this morning. Sure is. <clears throat> and we trust that um, that the Lord will bless our conversation here as we uh, first of all about Hearts for the Hungry. Uh, Robert, tell us a little bit about how Hearts for the Hungry uh, began. And uh, and then, Pastor, during the course of this, we're going to kind of bring in our ties uh, sure. to Hearts for the Hungry and some missionaries that we support there. But, but, Robert, if you would give us a background, first of all, on Hearts for the Hungry, how it began. Absolutely. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to 2004 in January. And... It's actually in the in the same island, the island of Hispaniola, but I was going on my first mission trip uh, to the Dominican Republic, and it, it was it was really by chance that I was on this trip. Uh, my wife uh, told me one Sunday, "Hey, I, I hear there's a uh, a trip uh, going to a mission trip going to the Dim- Dominican Republic. Um, would you be interested in going and taking uh, our oldest son?" and at that time, we we had we still have six kids. At that time, my my oldest was thirteen, my youngest was three, and uh, we had our hands full. But I I said no, I really don't want to go on a mission trip. I'm not really interested in such a thing. But uh, she said, well, why don't you why don't you just check it out? There's an informational meeting, and uh, you know, go to the church this Sunday and and learn about it. And it might be something that you know is will be great for our kids. So so I did. 
uh, she insisted, and, and, and so when a wife insists, you do it. So <laughs> I, I went. Uh, so so uh, I'm, I'm at this informational meeting. As it turns out, we sit down, and they're talking about supplies to bring, and uh, did you get your airline tickets, and let's make sure everything is all set up here. It was it was the planning meeting. Uh, everybody was signed up, so I just went up and shook the hands of the of the gentleman that was in charge of this group and said, oh, well, I, I, I'm, I must have been mistaken here. I, I uh, uh, we're going to we're going to be leaving now, and uh, he said, "Well, we just had a cancellation of two people, so you and your son can go, and I'll put you right in right now." And <laughs> and that's how it happened. I next thing you know, I, I went home. I told my wife, "I'm on my way to uh, the Dominican Republic." Uh, I think she roped me into this, but um, it was either her or God. But, but I also suspect they might have both been in cahoots. But uh, I, yeah, I so so I'm in. We, I get to the Dominican Republic. This is uh, February of 2004, and um, I, I've been. I, I grew up um, in upstate New York, but when the time I was 15, I, I we we moved to um, Puerto Rico. So I, I've I've been to island nations. I, I lived in them for a few years, and I've seen some poverty. But um, uh, you know, I so I, I I was expecting the Dominican Republic that I knew when I was a kid at the age of 15 uh, back in the 70s. And, and I was really surprised. It really wasn't quite, it had moved up in the world. Uh, there was, I noticed right away that um, things had, had gotten better in, at least in the cities. We were, we were in an area called Hato Mayor, uh, in, deep into, uh, into the country. And uh, I spent the first three days assisting in building a um, house for a missionary family. And I am, I am not a builder, uh, so uh, I'm, I, I don't have any professional skills of plumbing or electric or anything like that. So they, they put me in with the guys, the local guys, making cement, and I did that for three days, you know, making cement the old way with hay and, and, and sand, and, and um, it, was, it was grueling work, and my son and I did that for three days. But then we, we started wrapping up that part of the project, and then I got, I got the chance to go out on the island and on the fourth day, we went to a, um, a Haitian village. And these Haitian villages in the Dominican Republic are, are places where illegal, the illegal Haitians that have immigrated into the Dominican Republic, uh, the state places them, and they, they tolerate them uh, and, and encourage them in, to live in these communities where they are in charge of cutting the sugarcane, harvesting sugarcane, which is back-breaking work. Um, extreme... Uh, poverty conditions. These, the people live in uh, tin huts, dirt floors. Uh, there's not. There, there's usually one well for every community uh, where you may have to walk anywhere from five to ten miles to get water. Um, the state store is where they would get their food, and they barely make enough uh, money to just um, pay for their food. So, when we show up to this. Um, to these communities, uh, one of the things that this group had done is brought a container of shoes over uh, for the workers, for the men. Uh, but before we did that, we, uh, they gave me a bag of seeds uh, to, to give to wim the women in the village. And so I get out of the vehicle with this large, large bag of seeds, and I proceed to start a riot. I literally, I literally was, uh, there was fighting, pushing. Um, it was a bad situation. And I was, I was very embarrassed. I, I guess I did not understand, you know, the severity of the poverty, but, but, uh, the kids, uh, most of the kids were not clothed. Um, most of the people did not have shoes. Uh, and we went on to the next, uh, village where we, in a more organized manner, handed out the shoes to these men that worked in the sugarcane fields. And, 
every man uh, coming into this church where we had this uh, organized, you know, fitting them and, and, and getting them something that's as close to their size as possible, yes. every man was weeping. They were, they were crying. They were thanking us. They were thanking God. It was, it was a very touching, touching moment. Amen. Um, they, you know, you know, these these men were crying for a pair of shoes. Uh, they they had some of them had no shoes. Some of them had um, just just what was left of what they could wrap around their feet of, of plastic. But um, you know, sugarcane is a very sharp uh, a plant. Uh, when it's harvested, you burn the fields. I, I can't fathom working in these fields without shoes. Wow. Uh, but this this was the this was the the first experience that I, I had had meeting with Haitians. Uh, the next day we went to another village and at this time I was given a bag of, of cloth, uh, washcloths. And I thought, well, this isn't going to start a riot. These are just washcloths, but I was much smarter. So I'm not going to give these to women. I'm going to, I'm going to go find a bunch of kids and hand them out to the kids. Um, and, and as it's, as it turned out, I, I found a bunch of teenagers, teenage boys. And so I started to hand them out to the boys. And, and again, started what, what was close to a riot, just fighting and pushing and shoving. So, so here's young men that would just fight for a scrap of cloth, and, and that's, that's how bad it was. Um, I talked to a village elder later that day, and he talked about um, just how blessed he was. He, he, he kept saying, this is, this is their promised land. The Dominican Republic was the promised land. This was such a blessing for them. And, and I just all around me, I could see poverty and, and struggle and um, lack of food and uh, a, a nation that really had turned their back on, on the people that were, you know, that, that had immigrated there. And, and I didn't see blessings. And, I, and I, I told him that. I said, this doesn't seem like a blessing to me. And he said, well, our children have school. Our children get to go to school. And we don't have that in our country. So there's hope for their future. Uh, and and right, right there and then is when I decided that I wanted to go to Haiti. I, I, needed, to, I needed to go there and see it for myself. So, um, so here I was, uh, February 2004, did not want to be on a mission trip, and in April 2004, I was on a plane to Haiti. And that's, uh, that was really the beginning of it all. And I, and I did not know why I was going to Haiti. I just knew that um, I needed to go there. I needed to do something and change, change things and see what little bit I could do. And, um, and I still, at that point, I thought, well, I understand poverty, but um, going into the, into the nation of Haiti was, was extremely eye-opening. Sure. It was uh, just, uh, it, I was at Poverty 101, and I was about to enter Poverty 2.0. It was, it was amazing just how bad things were. Yeah, quite a story, Robert, and certainly uh, our listeners, you know, when God, Pastor, moves on a heart, Sure. And uh, and Robert, you can certainly attest to the fact that the eye affecteth the heart. Um, certainly, things that you saw and that you uh, that were directly affected uh, your spirit and what God could do through you. Um, I'm afraid sometimes, Pastor, that people uh, they get affected like that, but they never ever follow through. Sure. With what with their what what moves them? Yeah. Uh, why is that? Why is that? <laughs> why is that? You know, well, that's a that's a that's a that's a broad question. A broad question yes. that, that's answered by every individual, and um, we have a will to follow through with what we feel prompted by the Lord. But I know this that if there's a real burden and a real prompting, and God really gets a hold of your heart, 
that most of the time people follow through with it. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I do know, uh, Robert, that what you did was you didn't stop there. Uh, you yeah. came back and um, you pursued the, this moving of your heart and your spirit toward the things of Haiti. Uh, what was the next step? And then we're going to kind of get into a little bit about uh, Kathy and Alice and how we came to know them, but what was the next step that you took? Well, I landed I landed in Cap Haitian, so that's the northern part of the island. There's two major cities. There's, there's Port-au-Prince, which is often on the news. Cap Haitian is the second largest city. Um, that that's uh, and that's also where uh, your friends Kathy and Alice are located up in that northern part of the area, and I just so happened to um, to stay at the orphanage that they were running, and a gentleman uh, Sabian, uh, Alexis, Pastor Sabian, and um, you know I talked to Sabian about you know what you know my interest in helping children and my interest in in just in education in general and, and, and you know what what kind of problems there were because when they talked about you know there is no education uh, paid for by the government in Haiti uh, and I learned this from the Dominican and that, that their hope for the future was education and I thought well then you know what can I do to help promote education and how can I help Pastor Sabian? Pastor Sabian had uh, has a, a number of schools that he supports pastors and uh, to 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 bring up these schools and uh, throughout the island. And uh, and and I said, you know, if if we had uh, if we if we offered a meal in these schools uh, daily for these for these kids that come to school, would that would that promote education? He said, oh, absolutely. They they come, you know that. If they ate in, in school, that would take the burden off their families. That probably would be the only meal they would have a day. Um, and so, so that's what we started. We started that, that idea of how can we get food into the country and really focus on the schools. Uh, we also focused on a few of the orphanages. Um, we built uh, a warehouse right in Ebok Orphanage to, to stockpile uh, supplies. And... And that's that's really where it's been. I mean, we've we've had many challenges over the years as far as um, as uh, the the government. Um, you know, we we've had theft, we've had attacks. Um, you know, I, I, Haiti is not a safe place. I, I've 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 been in uh, potential physical harm, almost kidnapped twice. Uh, there's uh, if if, um, if you're if you're not aware, the president of Haiti was assassinated last night or this morning, actually at, at one in the morning. So Haiti continues to be on the news wow. even today. Uh, it's it's where where we were in 2004. Uh, I, I would love to say that things are better in this in this nation, but they're worse, and and yeah. they continue to get worse. And um, you know, we've had the earthquake in 2010. We've just had serious floods, famine. Uh, uh, very very. They've had they've they've had a terrible situation with um, with their leaders, their dictators from the Duvaliers in the 70s and 80s, right yes. up to the current time. Um, you know, the Duvaliers, uh, Papa Doc and Baby Doc, they, they um, you know, they were worth billions of dollars. Um, so you scratch your head and, and you look at a, a, a nation of starving people uh, and, and, and their leaders, these dictators, they, they have billions of dollars off outside of the country. So, so they're, these people are bleeding the economy and taking advantage of their people, and the situation isn't getting isn't getting better. You, you had this island of Hispaniola 
on one side you have a stable monetary system, you have good roads and bridges, good infrastructure, you have um, tourism, international business, and you literally, as you're flying a plane over, you can you can draw the almost see the line where right. they deforested That's Haiti, right. where where they lack they lack all the things that I just said. Um, and so, but the, you know, they don't seem to lack hope. They're they're a very strong people, and um, they 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 do they do look to God. They they have um, it's 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 quite amazing to to sit down with a person in Haiti that they will talk about all their blessings, and you're you're sitting on their dirt floor. Uh, and and you know and, and oftentimes in America we're talking about all the problems that we have, and we're sitting in our our nice houses. So. Um, it's, it's, it's truly a blessing to work down there, and it's very inspiring to work with these people. Robert, you, you said a mouthful when you said, <clears throat> you know, we can sit in our homes and complain. Um, Over nothing. <laughs> a, 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 exactly, Pastor. And you preached a message, I remember, yeah. uh, a while back called Because of Stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and certainly, um, you know, somebody that is willing, Robert, you certainly have set a good example by saying, you know, hey, I know you – are blessed man, you're a businessman here in the United States, and you've taken what God has blessed you with and tried to help others. And, um, and that to me speaks reams, you know, of a man just concerning. And um, here at Gethsemane uh, right now, Pastor, we know that uh, you have known and we have known uh, Kathy Galker and Alice Wise, both of these ladies are teachers in one of the schools there in Capation. Yes. And uh, Robert, I know you know these ladies very well, uh, but they have ministered there for well over 30, 32, 35 years somewhere. I mean, you've known, Steve, you've known them, Pastor, you've known them that long. Yeah, I was was there in the orphanage and uh, went there on a mission trip when I was 17 years old in Capation and met them for the first time. And so our church has had ties with them. My, my sister, um, Jennifer Truel and Darren Truel were missionaries there and lived on that orphanage for a while, helping in the orphanage. Pastor Sabian um, met him there then, and Pastor Sabian came when I was a teenager, stayed in our house here mm-hmm. uh, for weeks, I don't know, maybe nine to a month, I guess. And I knew he stayed at your place as well. He did, So yes. we've had ties and known them for a long time because I was also, myself and your daughter, got married and went to the mission field um, in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And I've been over in the Dominican Republic probably at least 15 times, Haiti five or six times. And so I know those countries very well and been in and out of them multiple times. Well, certainly, uh, and we, like I say, we, uh, Robert, we support Kathy and Alice now, and we do get uh, periodic newsletters from them informing us of the work there. And certainly it is something that God has absolutely blessed. I, I think of um, a, a statement I read the other night in the book. Um, uh, John G. Patton was a, minister, or was a missionary to the uh, Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. But he quoted uh, George Mueller. And George Mueller simply said the reason he started that orphanage in Bristol, England, was for the fact that folks could physically see and it's interesting, he said, for folks physically could see the blessings of God and God meeting a need. And Robert, I do know that that orphanage there, uh, I know there have been many needs, and yet I do know that you have seen God answer many a prayer concerning that. Have you not? Oh, yeah. 
absolutely. They so so they started the orphanage, or they came down there in in 1977. So since 40 44 years, they're into their 44th year now. Um, I know the first 10 years or so, they had no no um, plumbing. No, no bathrooms. Um, so, and and they would they would never complain about anything. Sure. Never ask for exactly. anything. These, these are truly mm. two remarkable Servants. women. Yeah. Probably the the most two of the most remarkable people I've ever met in my life. Um, which is very typical of missionaries that go into these areas. That that you know when you when you talk to them and they're they're just they're selfless. They're they're you know in general a missionary is selfless and and that's how you would describe these two. Um, they. They've run this orphanage for many, many years and um, have inspired many people. Um, it sounds like you, as well as me, to, to continue working to, to help them. Um, and, and also, interestingly enough, um, one of their orphans uh, started an orphanage just down the road, too. And uh, th- that orphanage uh, focuses more on younger, younger children. They will take, they will take in infants. Um, whereas uh, generally, uh, Kathy and Alice will will start with kids. Usually, about um, they, they try to start age six or seven. Right. Um, and they'll they'll run them up through through grade school, and they also have a high school program too. So, um, but but it's it's really started to blossom. And there there's um, Pittsburgh Kids Foundation supports this uh, this other orphanage um, down the road. Uh, Eat a day, it's called, and. Uh, they they've done some remarkable things as well. So so we see the 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 Kathy and Alice's ministry is continuing to blossom, Amen. and um, you know they're getting up there in, in age, but yeah. uh, there's there's no talk of of retirement. So um, hopefully <laughs> hopefully you know God will keep them working for for many many more years. Amen. It's, Amen. It's a tough it's a tough place though. Haiti is a very very yes. difficult place Unstable. to be in. It's it's not not very safe. I don't really believe that Kathy and Alice um, are too concerned about that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's not generally a safe place for, for Americans and mi- American missionaries to go. So uh, if people are looking to do mission work in Haiti, they're going to have some thick skin, and, and, and exactly. probably now is not a good time to go down there. Yeah, exactly. uh, although you can always go to, um, there's, there's great missionary work still to be done in, in the Dominican Republic. Public and it's a good jumping-off point sure to is. get into Haiti. There's there's a group called Meeting God in Missions that is um, is, a, is a great um, organization, and they they're they're the group in Hato Mayor. Um, uh, the founder of that just passed away this year. Uh, his son has taken over, and there's a, a large group there that, that continue doing tremendous things in that area. And they do focus a lot in on the Haitian villages and, and caring for those those Haitian people that are that are in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, sure. You you mentioned exactly right. Anybody listening, thinking about missions, don't know where to go. Dominican Republic, there is village after village after village after village with no kind of church and work at all. Um, in in the Dominican Republic and very open to the gospel. Um, but right. the, the next thing I want to say to you, brother, is explain to us now, you were mentioning about, you know, giving a meal uh, to the young men that would come and training uh, for the ministry, but explain the dynamic of what Hungry for the Hearts, I mean, Hearts for the Hungry, excuse me, do right now at the moment, what your ministry looks like, the facets of it. Well, what we're doing is we're, we're bringing... Uh, food into the country uh, with containers. So we're working with some other groups um, that that we generally are are, are bringing in um, 
like uh, feed my starving children, those, those, the food packets, um, where we, we can get those at no cost. But then when you have uh, ground to ship uh, to you know, overseas shipping, uh, a container eventually is going to cost you about eight, nine thousand dollars to yes. bring into the country. Exactly. Right. So, so, and that's that's true for anything. You can, you, if you want to, if you want to take a container and fill it with shoes. Um, it's great, but you're still going to have that cost. You can get all these items exactly. donated. So, so our, our our hard costs today are generally those those uh, that transportation cost um, of bringing those containers in. It really isn't too bad because when you get right down to it, uh, getting a meal um, directly to a person uh, might cost us about seven eight cents a person. You know, and and maybe this year we'll see that cost. Uh, Going up to ten, eleven, twelve cents, but but doubling, it's still it's very inexpensive to yeah. to get a nutritious meal. Um, we have uh, we have some workers in Haiti. Uh, uh, we have a gentleman that runs the program in Haiti. He came up through Kathy Analysis Orphanage, um, and and he's he's doing a fine job. We um, we have uh, and they get uh, a lot of help from. Um, through Sabian's pastors, uh, and and they kind of all work together. So, so once we get the food in there, uh, that's that's how we distribute it out to the schools. We'll also we'll send money, uh, we'll send money through Missionary Flights International, and and give them the opportunity just to buy buy rice and uh, other other needs right at the port. And and that's that's important too because uh, that keeps that keeps the money in Haiti. In it's, Haiti. It's sometimes exactly. you know when we try to do good and, and bring in all this free food we could hurt hurt the farmers. So so we try to balance that as well. Um, you know and, and again the long term approach is what can we do to bring Haiti out of poverty and um, so so we've also done medical supplies. Uh, during the earthquake uh, the schools were closed so we focused on getting food to the hospitals and feeding the patients and the doctors. So, you know, we were able to, you know, kind of kind of change direction very quickly based on the need. Um, with COVID, a lot of the schools were closed. So, again, we relied on the pastors to, to get the food to where, you know, where it was needed most. Um, so, you know, we're, we're um, you know, we're flexible in, in how we get the aid out there, but the, the main thing is to, to get, uh, whether it's food, whether it's medical supplies, just, just, just help where, where it's needed most. Uh, and there are some hot spots right now. Um, and like I said, I, I don't know what's going on in, in Port-au-Prince, but it's been, the situation's been very uh, dangerous in the last year and a half with a lot of political upheavals. Wow. The uh, folks that are listening right now, and if you've just joined us, we're talking with Robert Hess. Uh, Board of Directors uh, with Hearts for the Hungry. Robert, real quickly, how can folks get a hold of you and your organization? Well, they can. They can if they go on our website at heartsforthehungry.org. They can. Uh, they can uh, send out a message through that. They can. There's our uh, the phone number that will go directly to me. Um, and I could also uh, give you uh, if they'd like to support Kathy and Alice direct. I can um, I can give you the information of how they would go about doing that as well if you'd like. Yes, sir. That would be great. So 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 Kathy uh, Gopper and Alice Weiss, um, they you can fund them through Missionary Flights International. Um, Missionary Flights International uh, is thirty one seventy Airman's Drive, Fort Pierce, Florida, three four nine four six. And actually, you can just look that up online, uh, Missionary Flights International. But but their box number, their unit number is one zero four nine 
and that's E-B-A-C. So 1049-EBAC is their unit number. And if you send, you can send supplies, but if you send supplies, uh, you need to send money along with that because they have to fly these supplies over, so there's a cost to that. So sure. Doing it with Missionary Flights International is we're we're just sending you know we're we're sending cash we're we're basically saying here here Kathy and Alice uh, you know buy what you need get what you need so we we might send them large chunks of cash at a time and and uh, allowing them to do uh, you know use it as needed and they um, they've been you know they they've they've got great vision uh, they would like to continue growing and, and taking care of a number of more orphans but. Um, you know the the resources have been tight in the last few years, so so it would be tremendous to help them as well. Well, certainly our folks, uh, our regular listeners, and maybe some new listeners this morning, uh, you have heard very detailed information about Hearts for the Hungry, and uh, it is a coordinated effort uh, to get not only uh, food, clothing, and uh, those essential items necessary for folks to live, but also that uh, the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is is done. And, um, of course, Kathy and Alice have certainly been uh, faithful, faithful missionaries there yes. for years and years. Robert, it is our, uh, our, our custom here for Pastor Williamson to pray uh, with our guest uh, concerning uh, what has been presented here this morning. So, Pastor, I think you yeah, have a comment. I, I would, and then just pray. a quick comment. I, I know on your website, I'm just looking at a print-off that we have um, under our work. I see that there's a, a tab there that talks about sponsoring a student for $140 a year. Um, can you just explain, maybe our listeners, they can go look at that, but is, could you explain what that does? Yeah, basically what we do is we have we're, we're there we're focusing on the uh, the orphanages so so we have um, uh, eat a day orphanage where we like to support and we also have the uh, eboc but primarily eboc so so we'll just take a student we'll make sure that all that stu- all the students needs are taken care of so so books food uh, will we'll, we'll really cover everything amen for $140 a year for the listeners. If you hear that, go to their website and uh, check that out. Well, brother, we sure appreciate having you on. What a great blessing. Thank the Lord for what you're doing. And of course, uh, Dominican Republic and, and Haiti um, kind of have a spot in my heart because I've been there so many times in the past. And we will continue to pray for your ministry as God leads and guides you. And folks, pray for this orphanage there as well with uh, Kathy and Alice and, and Dr. Sabian there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for uh, this ministry, Hearts for the Hungry, and what a great blessing it has been to our hearts today personally to hear about this ministry. And Lord, it has always been an intriguing thing and an amazing thing to see how you move upon the hearts of men and to get them involved in your work and your ministry in different facets. And Lord, how we all work together as your body to take the gospel to the world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for the country of Haiti. So many missionaries in that country, so many churches and so many believers and the unrest that is there. We pray for the souls of the lost in that country. Amen. Pray for protection upon your people and pray that you continue to bless this ministry and our dear brother. Thank you for using him. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Robert Hess, it has been a blessing to have you this morning, sir. Thank you for joining us here on Weed Among the Tares. We'll certainly pray for hearts for the hungry, and uh, we will stay in touch with you, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. God bless you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pastor, what a that been a real blessing. This it morning. really yes. is, and folks, I know that you have been uh, blessed by what you have heard this morning. You know that's the purpose of Weed Among the Tares is yeah. to make these ministries that normally you would not ever hear about, yeah. uh, and and to bring these to your attention so that number one you can pray for them, and number two as God moves upon your heart to help these help with these ministries. Uh, Brother Blake, I was just sitting here thinking we, as most Americans, really have no idea what it is to be hungry. No. Um, we eat three meals a day and about five meals in between those meals of snacking and eating and gas stations and chips and crackers and sodas. And I mean, we really have no idea what it is to wonder where the next meal is coming from or even just getting one meal a day. And that one meal being a small portion. Yes. Not a big, we would probably eat in one sitting three meals what they would normally eat That's exactly and sometimes right. we don't put it in perspective we are a blessed country and a blessed people blessed beyond measure and um, certainly uh, we need uh, for those that have such a heart for these things and when god brings these things to our attention certainly we need to listen sure. to the promptings of the lord yeah. so that we can we we may not ever step on shore uh, of the uh, of the nation of Haiti, but we can certainly be a help to Amen. them from yeah. other places. And again, we thank you for joining us this morning here for Wheat Among the Tears. We're here every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and uh, we thank you for joining us on this live broadcast. Our podcast will be available later today, and it will be posted on Gethsemane Global Radio's website. Again, thanks for joining us. Trust you'll pray for us here and have a wonderful day.